They were passing a lot of stuff around in their family. And so he was concerned that he was going to be able to, uh, to speak this morning. And so he asked me if I would be plan B. And I said, sure, but you got to know that uh, Lan and I are flying out Friday morning to Denver. Uh, so most of you probably remember that uh, Jamie's stepmother's uh, memorial service was yesterday in Denver. And so we were up there for that. And uh, we were planning on flying back last night. So I said, you know, assuming that uh, the, the flights go okay and we get back all right, then we'll, I'll be glad to do it on Sunday. And that was kind of touch and go for a bit last night. Another story for another time. But I told him, I said, I'd be glad to do that, Ethan, uh, but uh, I don't think I'm going to have time to really prepare a lot of remarks for this stuff. And so he's, he said, well, since uh, he would just go ahead and prepare his notes and everything as if he were going to speak, and then he gave them to me. So you're going to get Ethan this morning anyway. <laughs> just a little bit different presenter. Uh, before I get into that, though, though, I need to share, I saw this kind of sad story this morning on the local news. Kind of made me feel sad because there's this little uh, company here in town that they, they make yardsticks, and they found out last week that they could make them no longer. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Ethan made me do that. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's right here in these notes. <laughs> anyway, for, uh, for those, of us, those of you who are visiting, uh, we're doing a, 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 a lot of series of uh, messages this whole year. Uh, we're part of a, a, a group that's uh, it's called the Preaching with, Preaching with You 2022. There's, a, there's several small churches that are combining their efforts to uh, uh, come up with some uh, messages and that we're all doing together. And we're doing, we started uh, this month a series for the summer called Treasuring God. And so we've been, uh, this is going to be the third week of this, uh, of this uh, summer series. And you know, the, the beauty of uh, treasuring God is that we can treasure God no matter where we are in life. No matter the season that we're in, no matter what challenges we're being challenged with in the moment or what we, what, what we might be feeling. There's always an avenue available for us to be able to connect with our Creator. You know, in our first two weeks of this series, in week one, we talked about treasuring God through, through creation. And uh, Joshua shared some very... Uh, cogent points with us and some ideas and it was really inspiring and I think a lot of us got a lot of out of that. Last week Bill shared with us some thoughts about uh, treasuring God through the church and treasuring the church. Today's focus is going to be just a little bit different than those two and the question we're going to be looking at this morning is how do we treasure God in the midst of hard times? You know, as we said all along, the Psalms are a hub for the liturgy in the Bible. And they teach us how to worship, how to pray, 
and how to connect intimately with God. And the beautiful thing is that there's a psalm for just about anything. (laughs) Whatever's going on, you can find a psalm. You know, unfortunately, in our American Christianity today, we, we tend to kind of focus primarily on those psalms of praise and thanksgiving. Uh, but we, we can also worship and treasure God when we cry out, when we experience injustice and hard things, even when we mourn. And today's psalm that we're going to be looking at is one, it's a psalm of lament. Psalm 51. And in Psalm 51, we're told it's the prayer of David after the prophet Nathan confronts him about his sin with Bathsheba. And the psalm guides us through the heart of one who truly lays himself before God. And the concept that we're going to try to highlight today is the concept of vulnerability. And while that particular word isn't mentioned in the psalm itself, it is absolutely an underlying principle of the psalm. When we're confronted with our own sin or the sin of others, Psalm 51 reveals there is really only one path to cleansing and restoration, and that's through vulnerability. Vulnerability is about uncertainty, risk, and exposure. It's about trust. To use a word that we've been centering on this year, it's about trust. When we're vulnerable before God, we open ourselves up to the uncertainty that comes with letting go of control, the risk of change, and the exposure of our hearts and intentions. But we also open ourselves up to receiving much more. Listen to what Psalms 51, we're going to look specifically at starting at verse 7. Cleanse me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sin and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. You know, this morning we're, I'm full disclosure and transparency, I, 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 I did not write this introduction, Ethan wrote it, but I am very proud to be able to introduce the one who's going to be sharing with us this morning, that's Kelsey Nealon. I'm proud to introduce Kelsey this morning, and like I said, Ethan scripted this for me, so this is his <laughs> words. Kelsey is a well-known, renowned marriage and family therapist here in Wichita. I didn't know you were renowned, but I guess you... I don't know if that's good or bad. (laughs) And she devotes her life to working especially with children who've experienced trauma. Not only is she familiar 
with the significance of vulnerability when it comes to therapy. But anybody who knows Kelsey, understands just how much he values honesty and safety. And it's our privilege today to have Kelsey come and share with us. talking about vulnerability and it feels vulnerable to be up here today it feels vulnerable for a lot of reasons um my dad didn't help with that introduction but <laughs> it vulnerability as I thought about it I was trying to think of my definition of it and sharing weakness being raw real no facade you're just kind of walking with people as you are and for me um Sometimes it's hard for me not to be vulnerable. Like it, with my husband, with my parents, with my brother, with Laura, with Wendy. Like sometimes they, nobody's ever said this, but I'm, they could be like, all right, why don't you calm it down a little bit with that vulnerability? Let's. And even like when I'm meeting new people, I'm a therapist and I can get too deep, too quick. And that's why my husband does the small talking because I can make it weird by asking questions and going there. Because I just think vulnerability is such an endearing quality. You wanna be around people who are real. You wanna be like that until it comes to exposing yourself. Um, I think three weeks ago, Gary did a sermon on Psalm 23. And that was my grandfather's favorite Psalm. And so I've heard it many times but when he read it, there was a verse to me that stuck out to me that I've never really thought about. And it's, um, this is the New Living Translation. And it's verse 6. It says, Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord. And I never thought about God's love pursuing me and how he does that. And then I, I didn't know why, but I was thinking about that a lot with vulnerability. How is vulnerability and God's love pursuing me? Why are those linking together in my mind? And what I thought about is with vulnerability, there's such freedom in being yourself. And I feel like that's what God's love wants for us. He wants us to feel free. My daughter came back from HYCV, whenever, a month ago. And it was, this is, she's going into eighth grade, and it just hit her different. And I could tell. And on um, one day, we were back at home, and she was sitting down to read her Bible. And I looked over, oh, oh talking about vulnerability. Um, and she was just bawling. And I was like, what is going on? And she was like, what if I do it wrong? And I was just like, no, like that is not what God's love is for us. It's not about you didn't get the right thing out of that scripture or you're not following me right. It's all about his love. And I think when we are truly vulnerable, we feel that. We don't feel that facade that we got to make everything perfect 
or we got to make um, it look like our life is together. And that's what I think of when I think about vulnerability. So I want to share a little bit about um, my life. And before I do, I mean, most of you all have walked with me through all of my life, through Kids Kingdom to now, um, have been involved in my first marriage and my second marriage, have walked with me through my kids being little, and now my Sophia's in eighth grade and Tank's going into second grade. And so, but before I share my heart, I always feel like I need to give a disclaimer because most of you know my first husband that I am sharing from my experience. Nothing I share is that my kids love their dad. He has been there for him. And so I'm not ever trying to air his stuff. So this is just from my heart. So um, Andrew and I, we were married 11 years. We got married. We dated in the teen ministry. We went to camps together. Um, we went to China together for two years. And shortly after we got back from China, I learned that my marriage would be ending. I don't know how else to say it, but it became a reality. And um, that was so hard because I was, I felt so humiliating because I felt like I was, I loved being married. I was the Facebook poster and talking about things. And I felt like when I learned things, the rug just got ripped out from under me. And I just felt raw. And I didn't know, um, I think that was just such an identity for me. And I didn't know, it didn't feel free to be vulnerable, did not. And so when I came to this conclusion, when I was, it took me a while, and I had Brandon Wendy walked with me, my parents were very patient. A lot of people saw things more clearly than I did. But they walked with me through that. And so I remember um, going to Reach in St. Louis. And um, what month was, was that? It was in the summer. So I th I'm not sure if things were finalized yet, but it was clear. And so I was going up there. And uh, oh, no, that was like a year before. I'm sorry. So it was not. I knew things were not in a good spot. Nothing was finalized. And I know a lot of people. I've been to camps and youth courts. And I know a lot of friends in the kingdom, which is great. And everybody went, oh, how's Andrew? Where's Andrew? Oh, how's the kids? How's this? And it just felt like I was just had my heart open. And people were just throwing darts. And I was like, I don't want to cry at every conversation. I don't know how to answer this. I get weird when I'm not myself, so then it just seems like I'm closed off. But I don't know how to not share too much. And I want to protect my kids. I want to protect him. Um, it was just such a raw time. And honestly, I hid in my parents' hotel room most of the time. And, but I made it. But I was there. And it just felt so vulnerable. So fast forward a few eight to 10 months when it was finalized. And I went to um, my first HOPE conference with my family. And by that time, people knew 
what um, knew that we were divorced, knew that things were going on. Um, I think Gary and I were even talking at that point. And so it had moved along where you all here knew it, but not a lot of people outside, out in other cities. And I felt like, um, and I don't mean this about their heart, I felt like it was just a story that people wanted to know what happened. And I'm not saying that that was their hearts at all, but it just felt like people wanted to know the details, but didn't want to know me and didn't see like my kids' lives, like this is real. My kids' lives have changed. What they thought was secure is in question. My life, it's not about let me tell you the details. So, um, sorry. So just even feeling um, that exposure and mean to be real, but um, not knowing if it mattered to the person I was sharing with, if they saw me, but they just wanted to know the story. Um, at camp, so I probably the next year, Gary came with us to camp. So Gary and I were dating at kids camp. Um, not our kids camp, but when um, we took Sophia to kids camp. And then uh, the kids, so parents knew at this point, but of course kids don't know. We're not going to tell them. And people were going up to Sophia, and they were saying, oh, uh, your new dad is my counselor. And why is your mom with, have a boyfriend when she's married? And seeing them go through that, and they just, oh, they just wanted to know. They were innocent kids. I'm not saying, I want them to ask questions. But I wasn't prepared for them to be asking her those questions. And so that was just so hard and so vulnerable. And I think, OK, I'm skipping around a little bit. And I, I'm a therapist. I work with kids. I love working with kids. But part of my decision and why it took me so long to make the decision is I know clearly how divorce affects kids. I know even in the best situations how their inner being is changed and rocked. And I knew there was a lot of things in our marriage, Andrew and I's marriage, that if I stepped out of, that they would be getting hit. So by doing the right thing, I put them in danger, emotional danger. Um, in the way of emotional harm. And so that felt so vulnerable. So I think about, when I think about vulnerability, I think about the people that it's easy for us to be vulnerable. It's hard not to be vulnerable with my husband. He knows everything. My parents know everything. My friends, it's hard not to be real. But then I think about Jesus and how he lived vulnerable with his disciples, with his friends, even knowing that it wasn't safe, that he wasn't in a safe spot. And I think about, I mean, as a church right now, we're going through some vulnerable things. And even when that doesn't feel safe and it feels scary, to still, Jesus was still vulnerable. He still chose to love. 
and that is ridiculous. Like, that is so hard. And, but then I go even a little bit further. Um, and I don't know if the theology of this is right, but this is my under illustration. And I think about God's vulnerability in sending Jesus to live that life. And um, there are people in this room I, without hesitation, would put myself in harm's way. My parents are here. My husband, Laura, my friends, without hesitation, would put myself in harm's way. But there's not a single person in here I would put my kids in harm's way for. That I would even ask my kids to skin their knees so you don't have to skin their knee. And that God did that for Jesus for us is crazy. And so just thinking about that vulnerability and thinking about the freedom that comes with it, but the difficulty that's in it. And um, after my <laughs> divorce, sorry, none of this is in what Ethan sent you. <laughs> um, everything got changed. Um, yeah, so you might have to plan something else. Uh, Oh, I lost my train of thought. But knowing that God sent that, did that for us so we could have a chance to walk with him, to be free. After, um, you know, after the divorce was final and all of that, people were coming up to me and they were like, we're just, we love, you did not take the easy road. We just admire your faith so much. And I thought to myself, I was like, no, I took the easy road. God's road is death. Like, look at my life now, not in a bragging way. I am unbelievably grateful to be married to Gary. We still talk. We went to kids camp together when we were young. We still talk about how crazy it is that our paths reunited. And my kids are in such a better spot. I went through one of the hardest things in my life with close friends, with family supported. That was the easy way. But I think about today and about um, where relationships are at and where church is at. And the easy way, God's way, does not seem like it in the moment. It seems much easier to do what I think is best, to do what protects me and not be vulnerable. But it just reminds me that God's game is the long game for all of us. And think about in Matthew um, 11, where it talks about his burden is light and his yoke is easy. And it doesn't seem like it should be when he chooses his way, but he opens all the doors. And that's what I'm going to continue to believe when times are vulnerable. So that is what I have to share with you. Boy, I don't know where she got that. You know, she talked quite a bit about uh, vulnerability in really hard, big times. But uh, 
know, vulnerability also applies to even kind of the small daily things. And it's, a, it's incredible how much those small daily choices to either harden ourselves to a situation or to be vulnerable, how that impacts us over time. And it's crazy just how challenging this is for us as human beings to let go of control, to trust God enough to be vulnerable. It's hard work, but it's also free. You know, the narrative of the empire of man is results-oriented. And this often seeps into our church. We want closeness with God and fellowship, but we want conversions, and we want all this other amazing worship services and everything. Yet those, all those things are impossible without vulnerability before our Creator. You know, I read earlier Psalms 51, 7 through 12. I want to pick up there, starting in verse 12, and read some of the rest of it. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. Deliver me from the guilt of, blood sh of bloodshed, O God, you who are God, my Savior, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit a broken and, con and contrite heart, God, you will not despise. It all starts with vulnerability. And not vulnerability in order to achieve something or, to, or to, to bring about some result, but out of a singular motive to draw near to God and to trust God. Only then will we find ourselves declaring genuine praise turning the hearts of the lost, and bringing true glory to God. We're about to take communion together, and God clearly treasures vulnerability from his people. And Jesus embraced it himself. We are continually reminded of the ways that Jesus humbled himself the ways in which he broke away from the status quo of his time and risked his own life in order to redeem the lost. And I had this scripture written on another piece of paper and I left it over there, so I'm going to have to find it. Matthew chapter 26. Verse 37. He, Jesus, took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Jesus, in his most difficult time, opened himself up very vulnerably to his disciples around him so that he could bring salvation to us. And that's what we get to celebrate during our communion time.
So let's pray. Father, we are humbled to consider how much you love us and the extent to which you have gone to demonstrate that love. As Kelsey shared as only a, a mother could, just how vulnerable it must have been for you to send Jesus to earth to experience what he did and to die, the death that he died. Also that he could bring salvation to us and a renewed heart and a renewed soul. And Father, I pray. God, I pray that no matter what circumstances come into our life, There's one thing that we can hold on to. And we can see Jesus on the cross for us. And Father, we can truly give praise to you and glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.